Hey everyone, this is Rosalina. And this is Shauna. And we're your hosts for Too Young for This Shit podcast. This podcast is not just about boobs, but our journey with cancer. We are young millennials open about giving you our raw and unfiltered look into our lives. We are in no way medical professionals, nor are we offering medical advice. Any medical references are cited directly from public websites or from our personal diagnosis. Some topics and stories may be triggering to those who are fighting, have fought, or have loved someone with cancer. Hey everyone, welcome back. In this episode, I'll be talking about my surgery and my recovery. Shauna told her story last episode, so now it's my time to share what I went through, and hopefully this helps you guys with anything that you're going through, if you're going through surgery or anything like that. Um, hopefully our stories help you learn and gain anything out of this. Before we begin, I was reading this book called The Book of Moods, and it's by Lauren Martin. I was reading through a chapter, and I felt that this specific portion really resonated with me and something that you know I want to start doing in my life moving forward especially you know since my diagnosis and so I really wanted to share this portion over to you guys as maybe this could help you as well she begins with it's impossible to be happy all the time however No one should ever aim for that goal. Instead, we should aim to love ourselves all the time. Because unlike happiness, self-love isn't fleeting. Yet like happiness, it attracts good energy. Corny as it sounds, self-love is really just less self-judgment less overanalyzing, less negative self-talk. I really resonated with that because since this diagnosis, it's it's been a big part of the change that happened, you know, in my life and of course in Shauna's life too. And I really want to start focusing on just loving myself, loving my new body, loving this new life that I have to encounter and knowing that the goal of being happy all the time shouldn't exist (laughs) in our world definitely not it's impossible yeah it's impossible and you know I like what you said about like you know learning to love your new body and I think that that's kind of hard right now you know my body but like I feel like I don't know this new body like you know it's not recognizable to me and then there's you know like times where I'm like my body has just been through like a train wreck basically you know like the amount of trauma and between surgeries and chemo and you know soon to be radiation like I mean my body has endured so much and it's almost like I feel like a sense of strength like I've never had before. Like, I think we talked about that as far as like overcoming chemo. Like, you know, I just think it's definitely easier said than done, but I definitely want to start doing that as well. You know, like rather than talking about how much weight I've Mm -hmm. gained and how my body doesn't have, you know, the hormones and this and that. Like, it's just, I do need to appreciate it a little bit more. So it's definitely a good um, reminder. Yeah, it's definitely a good reminder. And I've dealt with, shaming myself because of how I look. I was never happy with how my body looked. So now with the surgery and the radiation and everything like that, like I know that my breasts would probably look a bit different after all of this is done. And so I just want to remind myself just like take it one step at a time and you know, instead of having all these like negative thoughts about how your body should look like, just start accepting how it looks as of right now. And so um, just wanted to 
share over that with you guys, even though maybe you're also struggling with loving yourself. We are also struggling with that as well. I mean, I definitely have an acceptance of, you know, like this is my new body right now, but learning to love it is a whole other, a whole other aspect of this. And I think, you know, it is, it's super important to touch on it because, you know, even if you're, you know, you've come to the realization like, okay, this has happened to me or, you know, I have to have this surgery or I have to do this or anything that, you know, you go through within your breast cancer journey. It's very different, you know. The acceptance of acceptance and love, I think, are Mm -hmm. different in this situation for sure. Now, going through my story, I first want to share over exactly what procedure I got done and where. I got my procedure done at UCLA here in California. And the procedure was done by my breast surgeon, Dr. Baker. She performed a left skin sparing and a skin sparing surgery. It's an option for many women who desire immediate reconstruction after mastectomy. It's essentially where you can preserve your skin in order for it to be reconstructed within the same surgery. A non-nipple sparing mastectomy, so removing the nipple from my left breast. An excision of the dermal lesion, so I had a little cancerous bump on top of my left breast. So they had to remove that layer from my skin. And then finally, a left axillary lymph node dissection. So that's what she performed for me. And then I did a breast reconstruction, just adding the tissue expander um, in my left breast after the tissue was removed by Dr. Baker. And so that addition to the tissue expander was performed by my plastic surgeon, Dr. Slack. Kind of going into my story, I just want to begin this with that, just looking through all the posts from the breast cancer groups, I guess I didn't feel like I was as prepared as maybe other women before my surgery. And so I think just the reasons for that, I was really focused on two things. So one, I really needed to set up my paid family leave so I can take some time from work to recover mentally from all the mental exhaustion I went through with my diagnosis, but also the recovery, my surgery. I just didn't know how long I would need in order to recover. So I just wanted to make sure that I had enough time before I went back to work. And then the second thing that I really was focused on is just getting rid of this tumor that was inside my breast. So that's valid too, you know, just, I mean, those are like major things that needed to obviously get done before, you know, you had surgery and had to recover. Like, I think we all just kind of... um cope you know like my my thing was to be in control so I ordered everything and I felt Mm -hmm. super prepared and like that was my way to have any type of control over the situation you focused on you know checking things off your list before you had to endure all yes exactly I wasn't really focused on how I was feeling I was more focused on I need to get these shit done before my surgery date but I did purchase some things I purchased like a few mastectomy bras, oversized sweaters. As after the surgery, I won't be able to move my left arm as much, especially since the guidelines that the plastic surgeon has sent over to me, I won't be able to move my left arm past 90 degrees until I believe it was like the six week mark that she gave me the okay to move my arm past 90 degrees. Another thing that I purchased was a large mastectomy pillow. Just when I'm sleeping for a couple weeks, essentially, you're going to be sleeping on your back. So I just had a mastectomy pillow that was on top of me. So it's just for me to like kind of block myself from sleeping on my side. That's just how I did it. I don't know how you were able to sleep on your back. Honestly, it was like the worst. I think it took me like a solid almost three and a half, four weeks. And it was a rough three and a half, four weeks. But the pregnancy pillow for me was great. I used the mastectomy pillow like in the car. 
which I felt was really helpful. You know, like the seatbelt mm, blocks it mm-hmm. and it's just like a little extra padding. Yes, I actually did purchase a little padding over uh, the seatbelt too, just for some cushion. I just wanted to protect that area as well because it's pretty like sensitive and obviously you just came from major surgery, so you don't want anything to happen. Yeah. Then lastly, I bought a small little apron that had like two pockets where I could just store my drains. Yeah, I saw those on Amazon. Did you end up using it? I did. I did, did. end up using it. Yeah, I didn't like that it was drains were just hanging out. I just felt like, you know, they could rip. I don't know. <laughs> it was just yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Anxiety that like, oh, no, definitely. They could rip out. I felt comfortable just having something around my waist where I could just store it in the pocket. So then it actually sits by my waist okay so okay because mine came with the clips that just clipped on top of my mastectomy bra I did have that too I Mm -hmm. just I didn't feel comfortable like clipping on my bra because when I actually wear a sweater and I was going out um I just felt like I looked weird Mm -hmm. with it so that's why I just felt more comfortable just having like a little apron thing wrapped around my waist mine came with like somebody had um gifted me like a mastectomy robe which was so nice and it was so soft but I like didn't even use it because the clips were just so easy and then I just wore zip-ups the entire time mm-hmm, like oversized mm-hmm. zip-ups because like I couldn't imagine like having to do like all the buttons on like a button-up like shirt or you know some women just you do like big yeah. oversized button-up shirts and I was like I don't feel like dealing with the buttons on this and just the <laughs> zipper just seemed like easier yeah right that just reminded me I think also the reason why I purchased that apron is because it was just really easier for me to just take it out and dump it into mm-hmm. the cup Instead of just like unclipping and clipping, I don't know. I just wanted to make it easier for myself. Did you um, strip your own drains or did your boyfriend? No, I did. I wanted to. (laughs) Really? That was, it was a control thing. I I really wanted to do my own. (laughs) I didn't want to do mine at all. That's so funny you said that. And like, I'm like somebody who like needed to be in control of every aspect of my situation. And that was the one thing I was like, you do it. (laughs) That's so funny. I wanted to touch upon the paid family leave. So some states like Washington, California, New Jersey, just to name a few, at a state level, they give people the benefit to be partially or fully compensated for their time away from work or any family caregiving needs or just if you're going through an illness. Um, just like breast cancer or any form of cancer. Some states do require proof that you worked for like X amount of hours in that state in order to be eligible for that paid family leave. And you need to also provide a letter from your doctor just explaining why you need time away from work and how long, etc. So I was under Washington's medical leave program. And of course, because of the pandemic, the application process was just really long, where the approval or denial process kind of took about like four to five weeks. Oh, wow. And that's why my primary focus was, okay, I need to get all the paperwork that they need in order for me to be approved and in order for me to be compensated during the time that, you know, I'm not working. Right. Did that delay your surgery date? No, I had a surgery date and I didn't want to move that. It was just I needed to get Mm -hmm. the application done like weeks in advance. So once I knew my surgery date, which I knew like in advance, right, I think three to four weeks, I would say I started the application right away. Thankfully, I did get approved. And so I received eight weeks of paid time off. Washington gives you up to 12 weeks, but the other uh, weeks that I didn't use, I used up um, during the time that I needed off when I had chemo infusions. So you can split up your time if you want, or you can use up the whole 12 weeks, but I decided to just use only eight weeks and then the other half for anything else that I needed time off. 
Now, is the paid family leave, is that per year? Like, because what do you, what will you do for your like exchange surgery? The time that your application was approved, my application was approved in April. Those 12 weeks that I've been granted, it goes up to next April. Now going to my surgery dates and when that was, it was on April 8th. And I believe the time was around 7 a.m. I, I remember it being really early. It was on a Thursday. And my brother, George, and my sister-in-law, Abby, flew in Wednesday night to be there for me doing my surgery and my recovery. I was really getting everything ready. As I mentioned, you know, I was really checking the boxes of what I needed to get done before surgery that I didn't really take time for myself mentally to prepare for this major surgery that would just change my entire life. Did you have, um, did you have like a freak out beforehand? I'm getting there. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I remember it took oh, you, get into it. Okay. No, 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 it's okay. It, it took you I think the, the night before. Yeah. Like 10 PM the night before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it hit me Thursday morning. Okay. Four or 5 AM. Since the hospital only allowed one visitor to be with me until it was time for surgery, my boyfriend Brian, George, and Abby, we all agreed that Brian would be the one to drive me and to be there with me at the hospital. But that morning, George and Abby still decided to wake up early, and Abby notified me that my brother George wanted to come even if he had to wait in the car, so I thought that was really nice of him to do that. Yeah, that is sweet. When my brother George came down the stairs, my emotions were just uncontrollable and I started to hysterically cry. And I walked over to George and held onto him so tightly that I didn't want to let go of him. I realized, holy shit, I'm getting this major surgery and it's happening. Like, I can't go back. I'm losing my left breast. My life is going to change. So the one thing that I do remember when I was, you know, hysterically crying and holding to my brother was that he told me this procedure, this surgery is for my health and it's for me to get better. Well, I would never forget that moment and those words because I really needed to hear that. I needed to hear it because I wanted confirmation that I was doing something important for me for my health I also think too I think like that's your brother it's known you your whole life like it was like a moment where you could be super vulnerable without like having to be so strong in that moment Mm -hmm. with my boyfriend you know like he was such a rock for me and like it made me want to also I think feel like a little strong and you know like like I got this I could do this not saying that I wasn't vulnerable in front of him but I think like If I saw my brother that morning, I would have been probably a disaster. Or my sister. I think it would have actually made me more upset. My boyfriend, Brian, he like just didn't really know what to say or (laughs) like really like he didn't know what to say at that time, at that moment. But like you're right. It hits different when you're with your sibling and they're there for you and you can be vulnerable with them because, you know, you've grown up with them your whole life. So kind of fast forward to that, you know, driving to the hospital, I walk in, I got checked in, proceeded to enter the room, get dressed into the gown, waited in bed. Were you still crying at this point or no? No. Once I heard those words from George, I basically stopped crying. I stopped crying because Mm -hmm. I knew that I had to do it. And my mindset switched to oh my God, I'm losing my breast to know this is what I need to do. Right. Anyways, I get into my gown and then that's where the chaos starts. Many people go into your room, nurses, doctors, um, assistants, you name it. So at least they wheeled you in. Oh yeah, (laughs) that's true. Yeah. (laughs) But this is before you go into the surgery room. People were taking my blood. Right. Like pre-op. Yeah, the pre-op. Yeah. yeah. Um, people were asking me questions like what procedure I was getting done because they wanted to make sure that I knew exactly, you know, why I was there. <laughs> um, and then they also asked you if you're pregnant and 
it's really important for them to know whether you are or not and then you can sign a waiver if you don't want to like pee in the cup so obviously I signed the waiver I was like hell no I'm not fucking pregnant I have the IUD like <laughs> like no <laughs> right also during that time I saw my breast and plastic surgeon one last time before I headed over to the surgery room so I thought that was also really nice too but I think the best part out of this whole experience <laughs> was the nurse and physiologist because he was super calm and asked me if I wanted any like essential oils to call my nerve. I didn't get that. I know, right? <laughs> it's just, I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know that was a thing either. Well, also because like you can't wear deodorant before. Like I'm surprised they even like allowed that. I think maybe it's just, <laughs> maybe it's just UCLA. Like he had grabbed some sort of tissue or something and applied it around my bed maybe it wasn't applied on my skin he also warned me that when I go into the surgery room that there's just going to be like a flood of people on me and just trying to get things moving so I really appreciated that you know like you have anxiety and you're nervous and all this stuff and just people like touching you and everything can be like uncomfortable so like a, a, there's so much going on in that room yeah it really is it really is and is <laughs> is UCLA a teaching hospital as well like did you yep. have stu students or did you deny the students or did you there were students in there before there going students. into the surgery room he did also ask me if I wanted a sound bath <laughs> Which is, if you guys don't know what a sound bath is, it's just a meditative experience that could be used with healing instruments, using, you know, the gongs bowl. or the bowls. Yep, yep, yep. So I was grateful for that, that he was able to, you know, provide the essential oils and do the sound bath. Basically, when we got into the surgery room and I had to get up onto that cold table, that's when he started to do the sound bath. So I thought that was really nice. This is so California. So. Like New York, uh, this is like New York. They literally are like, let's go. You walk in, you put yourself on your own table. And in LA, you get like sand baths and essential oils. Like that is such Old an LA thing. Coast, man. <laughs> Old coast. My yeah. God. But like, I feel like that was the best experience for me. <laughs> Seriously. Definitely. I mean, that would have been really nice. I don't yeah. New York just wants to make you hard. <laughs> but I think with your story, how you mentioned you went into the room and tried to make a joke. <laughs> oh, well, I was a complete idiot. Yeah. I mean, like everyone was laughing. Like it was like a definitely like nice way to yeah. kick it off. But like, no, no. Normal people don't walk into their room like making jokes <laughs> like, before their double mastectomy. So. But you tried to yeah. make something out of it. I think I think that was good. <laughs> yeah. I was in the recovery room when I woke up and felt pretty nauseous from the anesthesia. They provided ice to chew just to calm my nausea, some nourishment, like apple juice and crackers. They don't really give you like a meal, which I thought they would, but I guess not. <laughs> so anyways, <laughs> right? Yeah, I didn't get a meal until I got back into my room. But even then, like you're just so out yeah, of it. Yeah, you're so that... out of it. That's true. That maybe like, yeah, that probably was the best thing. Yeah. I think like I woke up and I only ate like a fruit cup or something like once I got into that room. Like I didn't even, it was just, I was so just out of it. Did it take you a long time to wake up? I think I finished around 1 p.m. But I didn't wake up until like 3 p.m. So like two hours. Did your plastic surgeon and surgeon work like tandem? You know, once your breast surgeon was done with one side, they moved to the other? Or was it more your breast surgeon was done and then your plastic surgeon came in? Yeah, so it was just like that. The breast surgeon yeah. came in, did her thing, left, then the plastic surgeon came in. Because you went in at seven, you so said? Around seven, got yeah. Done at one? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, my mine was shorter. That's what mm. I was wondering. Wait, why was it shorter? Oh, you also did one breast. Oh, yeah, I did one breast. Right, my, yeah. But why was she yeah. shorter? <laughs> They were working at the same time. Like my breast surgeon started on one breast, moved to the next one, and the plastic surgeon was working on mm -hmm. the other breast at the same time. So it, I think it made mine yeah. just like a go ah, by a little faster. That's why I was asking. When I woke up around three, I was really like in and out. 
because of the anesthesia. So I went to sleep again and then I woke up around five. And by that time, I was like, I want to leave. I asked a nurse to let me go. Oh, really? <laughs> Call my boyfriend. Yeah, I really, I really didn't want to be in that room anymore. They made you be in recovery all by yourself. Yeah. Oh, I, Matt was allowed to to be like come in like once I was out of and like was waking up. They let him come in. I think when I was sleeping, my boyfriend Brian came in, mm-hmm. but then he left um, just to be with my brother and my sister in law. Yeah. But yeah, he left and then I basically told them like call his ass up to like pick me. Yeah, you know, I'm out of here. <laughs> oh my gosh. So this part <laughs> I just want to say even though he's probably like embarrassed by, but I told the nurses to call him up and he didn't fucking answer. Are you kidding me? So I was so impatient, so annoyed. And were you in pain? I wasn't in pain. I was just really out of it. But mm-hmm. I, I was like mentally there where I just knew I needed to get out of this hospital. Got it. They finally got a hold of him and I was able to get dressed. But I didn't leave the hospital. I think it was like 9 to 10 p.m. Oh, you didn't have to spend the night? No, oh. I did not want to spend the night <laughs> at the hospital. I didn't think I wanted to, and then I'm I didn't want to leave. <laughs> yeah. Well. <laughs> so, I mean, maybe also because of COVID too, it was like mandatory that I stayed. Like it wasn't. I didn't have the option to go home. Oh, it was optional for me. Oh, I mean, honestly, if it was optional for me too, I would have went home. Like you know what I'm saying? Like you know, had they said, "Do you want to stay? Do you want to not?" Like. Before, you know, before I had surgery, I would have been like, I'm not staying. Like, send me home after this, you know? That's how I felt. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to get the fuck out of there. Yeah, so I didn't leave until, like, I think 9 or 10 p.m. One of the things that they did was the doctor who assisted Dr. Baker, the breast surgeon, just came by to check my left breast just to see that everything kind of looks good and whatnot. And then the other doctor who assisted Dr. Slack basically came in just to check and um, that everything is fine and just wanted to inform me their surgery went well. So I thought that was also nice too that like both parties came through just to make sure that everything was fine. Another nurse came by to go over my discharge and just how to properly drain the liquid. So I had two drains, one for my mastectomy and then the other for the lymph node. I wasn't sure if you only had one because um, like I had two, I mean, I didn't have my lymph nodes removed the first surgery. So maybe that's why. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I had two. You know, I finally was able to get home finally. But the next day, when I woke up, I was just like feeling my arm. And I felt that like I lost sensation in the upper back of my left arm and then my armpit area. So I found that to be weird. And you know, I called them up from the phone number that was on there just asking questions. And they basically told me if you don't feel that area, that's because of the surgery. And that could happen. And so I wish, you know, prior to my surgery, the doctors just would have warned me about that. Yeah. Also, too, like even the the support groups, like I had to go like to search for like, why does my arm hurt as bad as it does? Mm. You know, like mm-hmm. I was like, everyone talks about like the pain, but like nobody's talking about like how uncomfortable like the, you know, your arm after is mm-hmm. like, not just your chest. Yes. Yes. I I haven't read anything like that on the Facebook groups either. So yeah. for the next few weeks, I had to do sponge baths because of the drains and just really being careful with, you know, not wetting the drains and, and also, you know, making sure that you're cleaning the breast area too and, and not being like too hard on it. So I think that's why shower is not permitted during those first few weeks. 
And then also with the drains, you know, I had to record how many milliliters of liquid came out from both drains and I had to record that, you know, morning to night. And that's just for the record for the plastic surgeon to know exactly when she's able to safely remove those drains. During the first week of my recovery, Abby, my sister-in-law, she helped me get bathed. And so one of the things or like one of the protocols that needs to get done is just checking that if my left breast is swelling or bleeding or anything like that. So she would actually check my breast. I actually haven't looked at how my left breast was looking like. So every time she would open it up, I would close my eyes because I was just afraid that I would be disappointed in how it looks. But every time she would open up, you know, my bra and just to look at if everything is fine, she keeps telling me, you need to look, it actually looks fine. Like it looks like you have a breast. So after a few days, I finally took the courage to actually, you know, open my eyes (laughs) when she like checked my breast. And I was pretty surprised, you know, it, it still has that shape of a breast. How much did your plastic surgeon fill you during the surgery? Do you know? I don't remember. The left breast was definitely smaller than my right breast. Right. Because I wasn't filled at all. So that's why mm-hmm. I felt like it wasn't until I started getting fills that it like felt more comfortable to more breast shape. Like I was like pretty flat before oh, I started I doing the fills. Okay. Whoever is your plastic surgeon, I guess, whatever they want to do during the procedure. I don't know how, what the protocol is. <laughs> I don't know what the protocol is yeah. either, but I think I've read that some women do get like, you know, the saline fills, I guess. It could just also be too. I mean, the, the incisions are, you know, horizontal too. So it's really kind of how much your skin can stretch, but still close you up, I guess. Yes. So I had two incisions. One is vertical, so that's when they remove the nipple. Mm -hmm. And then I had the second one that's on top Mm -hmm. of my breast. So that was the skin lesion, you know, that they had to remove because it was cancerous. So I had two different scars (laughs) on the breast. And obviously, I had a scar underneath my left armpit area because of the removal of the lip node. Another thing that I noticed that I guess. I didn't realize that would happen when I started bathing myself. I noticed that I lost some sensation on my left breast. And I didn't know that. I don't know if your doctor mentioned that to you. Oh, yeah. Okay. Maybe she did. Uh, Yeah, they, they told me that I wouldn't have any sensation. Okay, maybe she did. But I just, I don't know. I guess I just forgot. There's also so much information that they're giving you that that could have just kind of slipped under the... Probably, probably. Yeah. So that was like a surprise for you. You felt like... that was. I was like, okay, this is the new way of life now. Great. (laughs) A week after my surgery, I had post-op visit with my breast surgeon, Dr. Baker. And that visit to go over my pathology reports after surgery so just you know the final results and how many lymph nodes were taken and also if I had clear margin first thing first she talked about the lymph nodes and she told me she removed 24 now I thought that was a lot I was terrified that she removed that many but she told me that 12 were positive and the other 12 were negative. So <laughs> I can't believe that it was just so even. It's like crazy too, because there's not like a set number of lymph nodes. Like everyone has a different, like they took between the first and the second, it was 29. I think oh, wow. between my first surgery and second, I think it was 28 or 29. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's like a surprise. Exactly. <laughs> they go in to see how many they take out. Yeah. What they do is just like during the surgery, if they feel like anything could be cancerous. So basically the lymph nodes are like pretty small. I think I guess smaller than a pea. 
But if it's bigger than a P, that's basically essentially means that it's like cancerous. So that's why you don't really know how many lymph nodes they'll be taking out because that's the time where they actually get to feel <laughs> which ones are cancerous and which ones are not. Because of those even number of lymph nodes that were positive and negative, she just felt that confidence in that she took all of the cancerous lymph nodes out. So that was a positive. At that time, I was kind of annoyed that she took that many. But obviously, now, you know, reflecting back, it was a good thing that that happened. Because, you know, if they if the numbers weren't even, then you have to question, you know, did she get everything out? Did she remove all the lymph nodes that were positive? Yeah, I also might when I talked to my radiology oncologist um, recently, she told me anything above nine. Yeah, is concerning. Which I didn't know that, you know, going into it, I had eight, but they still chose to go in and take the rest of mine. Oh, my God. Well, I had. Sorry. No, sorry. I had five Mm -hmm. out of eight. No. Yeah. Five out of eight when they went in the first time came up positive and then when they went in again it was three out of the 20 they took i didn't know that anything above nine concerning did they tell you that told me was that 24 wasn't the highest number that she's taken there was one patient that she had that she took over 40 lift i feel very sorry for that patient that had to deal with that God, I can't even imagine what her arm must exactly. feel like. I'm like exactly. cringing thinking about it. So <sighs> now going to the margins. If you don't know what I'm talking about, basically the term margins is just defined. And I got this off of the breastcancer.org website. The edge or border of the tissue removed during your surgery. So the margin is described as negative or maybe your doctor would say it's clean when the pathologist finds no cancer cells at the edge of the tissue. So that tissue that they remove from your breast. Some doctor wants two millimeters or more of a normal tissue between the edge of the cancer and the outer edge of the removed tissue. If it's positive, that means that the cancer cells come right out of the edge of the removed tissue. So that means that more surgery is usually needed to remove any remaining cancer cells. Going back to my margins, basically my margins came back positive. And it came back positive between the area of the vertical incision and then my horizontal incision. So the skin lesion that they had to remove. So there's a bit of skin left in between those two incisions. What Dr. Baker was telling me is that first things first, she thinks that radiation would help remove some of the microscopic cancer cells that is in that area. But when I go back for my implant exchange surgery next year in 2022, she will be in that procedure to remove that extra skin layer in between my incision, binding those two incisions together and making it to one. I mean, that's great because I've heard so many stories of women having to go back in yep. like, you know, three to four weeks later to go back in, like get the clean margins and, you know, everyone gets so upset yep. and, you know, you just feel like you just kind of healed and it's like essentially like another mastectomy almost, you know, you're getting more tissue taken out. So you know, that could definitely be like rough. Let me tell you that visit, I was really nervous. Because one, I didn't know how many lymph nodes were taken and how many were positive, negative. The discussion of chemo was still up in the air. And then secondly, the margin, I really, really didn't want to go back and have like another surgery, which is why I elected to remove my nipple because I just had a feeling that if I didn't remove my nipple, I probably would have to go back to surgery to remove it because the cancer cells is just so close to it. You know, it just made more sense to remove it during the one surgery that I had. (laughs) I would say that was probably really nerve wracking for me 
during that visit. Your lymph nodes like showed up on your PET scan, correct? Yeah, it showed up in my MRI. And then, so your surgeon was going to base chemo off your onco score? She was basically going to base it how many lymph nodes were positive. Because in the MRI, it shows, well, they can't really like see exactly how many, but it showed up that like three or four were positive. So we weren't sure, you know, if. Until you go in. Yeah, exactly. Right. My oncologist was like, chemo is very much on the table. You're under 40 and reoccurrence rates are high. And so like, I kind of like, I already knew going into it that like, I was going to have to have chemo. They didn't even get an on score. Yeah, I didn't get an on course score after surgery when you have that final pathology report is when you really know exactly the number and if you need chemo or not. But I guess in your case, your doctor already told you that you needed it way before you got that report. Right. Yeah. But going in even for the the pathology, I you know, is super nerve wracking. Yes. It's a lot of unknown. Once you start knowing exactly what your plan is and there's just, just like no more surprises is when you feel a little bit calmer. <laughs> Let me tell you. Right. Because you knew that radiation was on the table, just not sure if yes. chemo was. I knew chemo was and radiation wasn't on the table at that point. So I think, um, you know, like we knew we were going to have to have some sort of treatment, but not the full amount. Like <laughs> yeah. we both ended up with. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Just talking about the rest of my recovery. So I was finally able to take my drains out like two and a half weeks later. My plastic surgeon and I were just being conservative in just making sure that the drains didn't have, you know, excessive amount of liquid. You know, as much as I hated the drains, but if the drains were to be taken out early, there could be a possibility of an infection, which I wanted to avoid. How did it feel getting them taken out for you? I thought it was going to hurt. and. My surgeon was basically telling me like, oh, if you were so nervous about how it would feel like you should have asked me and I I wish I did. It wasn't painful. It just felt like a snake was inside you or something. Yeah. It was the weirdest sensation. I agree. Yeah. Weird. And afterwards I was like, that wasn't bad at all. (laughs) Not bad at all. And it was so quick too. They just like start pulling. And it's like so weird. Like they actually pull the drain out. It it just, it's so fast. I'm normally somebody that needs to watch, you know, like I have to expect pain, you know, like when I get a shot, I like to watch, like I'm a weirdo. When I get blood taken, I have to watch because I'm a control Me freak. Too. And um, yep. I didn't watch, but it just happened so fast yep. that. I watched. I was like. You watched like, it? Oh, no. <laughs> I was like, I need to see. Were you well, mortified? I thought it was going to be painful. Yeah. She gave me like a countdown, like one, two, three, you know, and yep, yeah, same. the way she same. had me like get positioned, I didn't, I don't know, I didn't get to see it. But I, I'm glad it wasn't painful at all. You felt like super swollen after because I, I did, like I felt really uncomfortable and like swollen on my sides after getting my drains out for a few days. Yeah, I definitely did too. And one of the things that she did mention is that, you know, once you get your drains out, you think that you can go off your day doing regular things. But essentially, this is a time where you really need to rest because you can still get an infection. Now that the liquid is not going through a drain, it's actually like, you know, going through your body. And so we just have to make sure that your body is resting enough in order not to get the infected. After I removed the drain was the time that I was able to get my saline fills on my left breast. So expanding it to your desired size before I get radiation. Another aspect of my recovery, since I couldn't lift my arm above 90 degrees, it was just super important to see a physical therapist and I saw a physical therapist after the six-week mark. That's when I was cleared with my plastic surgeon. Each plastic surgeon probably has a different time frame depending on whether they want to be conservative or not. My surgeon was definitely conservative. What I practiced with my PT was just making sure, you know, I'm able to like lift my arms straight and just be like a little bit more flexible, similar to what I'm able to do my right arm. 
And we also focused on exercises that would just get me the mobility to move my left arm again. So doing like, I guess, like wall climbs. So many of those. Yeah. (laughs) It sounded like you're just like annoyed to do that exercise. Well, it's just like, it's like, you know, like another appointment. Luckily, mine came to my house. I can't even really complain. My surgeon set me up with like somebody that was like in home, you know, so Oh, nice. Yeah, so yeah. I can't really complain, but it's it's like just like another appointment and like they tell you to just literally creepy crawl your hands up the wall. Like that's it. Like that's that's the the, yeah. the exercise and you're just kind of like right. What else? What else you got? Like speed this along, please. I do agree with you. It is annoying that like oh my god, there's a, just another appointment I need to attend. And so I think I felt overwhelmed because, you know, Mm -hmm. I was seeing my plastic surgeon, getting my saline fills. I was seeing Dr. Baker with like my post-op and just making sure that everything is fine. And all of a sudden, you know, I have to also meet with my PT on a weekly basis. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. I feel you on that. But How um, much like what's your what's your, uh, I guess, like CC right now? Like not CC, but like how much like saline do you have in right now? I don't remember. I need to check on <laughs> How many fills did you have? Maybe four. Can you remember that? Or, yeah. Oh, wow. maybe, okay. I think four. Because I think one of those big ass syringes is 50. Yes. I mean, I'm a size B. It might be just like, yeah, I mean, if you did four and then, I mean, 200. Well, we, the left breast is actually a little bit bigger than the right. And that's because. She was just telling me that during radiation, mm-hmm. it can shrink. So I just wanted to make sure that, you know, yeah, the left breast was just a little bit bigger. So then when it shrinks, it'll hopefully be the same size-ish. Right. And they can, like, put in a little bit of a smaller implant, like, if it doesn't. Right. Right. Yeah. Overall, my recovery process wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. I thought, like my whole left breast would feel like super painful and I wouldn't be able to get up or do things or eat. Like I just thought the worst. It was just really my left arm was really bothering me. But other than that, it was just resting and making sure that I'm not lifting anything heavy because that could also damage, you know, your scar. Oh yeah, opening up your incisions. Right. There were two things I really focused on during the time that I recovered. So number one was my nutrition. I really wanted to create like a balanced diet just so I could accelerate my healing, fight off infection, and just to increase my strength and my energy. Balanced diet just consisted of just, you know, your protein, your fats, your carbs, I drank a lot of water throughout the day. So that was super important to me. I actually bought a big jug. I think it was like maybe a gallon of water and I would drink that per day. The second thing that I did was just making sure that I rest. So resting throughout the day, be careful not to overdo things. Like I mentioned, like lifting anything. Those were the two main things that I focused on. And that's essentially my story of my recovery and my surgery. By how many weeks did you start to feel like, okay, because like, I mean, you're never back to normal. Like when were you able to sleep on that side? I feel like that's how I base off of when I started to feel better. <laughs> I think it was close to seven to eight weeks is when I oh, was wow. able to sleep on that side. Whenever I tried to sleep on my left side, the expander is just like a block. Like, it's just like so oh, God, hard. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it's just, it's not as soft, like, your breast tissue. So I think I slept more mm-hmm. on my right side because I felt more comfortable than on my left side. At least you didn't have to back sleep really. That was the worst. Didn't really get good night rest. Yeah. Because I was sleeping. Well, on my no, because also too, you're having to keep your arm in a certain position too, yep. you know, to where it was comfortable. You must not have. Yeah, no. no. So you probably did actually have to sleep on your back a little bit. Definitely for, you know, the first few weeks, they tell you not to sleep on your side. But I think closer to seven to eight weeks is when I tried to sleep on my right side. I don't think I slept on my back as much 
I like refused. <laughs> it was terrible. I think that that's why at three weeks, like I, I mean, the pregnancy pillow was helpful. I don't, I don't miss those days. I'll tell you that. Oh no, I definitely don't miss those days. But I would definitely say that comparing surgery to chemo. I agree. I agree. It was easier. It was so much easier. Surgery was so much easier. Yes. So easy. Yeah. Way easier. I, I think going into like radiation, which I'll start in a few weeks, like I'm in such a great headspace as far as being like, it can't be worse than chemo. Like, honestly, like that's how kind of, at least at this point, like that was uh-huh. the worst. I mean, that's been the worst part. I think the waiting too. Yep. chemo and like the waiting like waiting to find out results and waiting to find out like that part I think was probably the second worst thing and then maybe surgery for me I think the fertility like the IVF I disliked and that's going to be our too. next episode yeah. <laughs> I think between let's see between the waiting okay waiting is number one <laughs> then chemo then IVF. Really? <laughs> then surgery. Mm. I didn't like poking myself. Like you have to poke yourself and inject this like stupid ass shit inside you like at all times. Yeah. Uh, I just, I disliked it. Yeah. But I knew I had to do it. I hope you guys enjoy this episode between Shauna's story and then my story and really hope that you gain something out of this or maybe you just love hearing other people's stories, whatever that case might be. But our next episode, like what Shauna mentioned, is going to be fertility and our process with that. So stay tuned for the next episode. See you guys next week. Thank you all for listening to our podcast. Sharing our stories with you has been incredibly healing for both of us, and we hope it helps other women in their journeys through breast cancer. Ladies, if you enjoy this episode, please share it with your friends. Help us reach more women by subscribing and rating us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can also follow us on Instagram at tyftspodcast. And our email is tyftspodcast at gmail.com. We will link any resources from the episode in our show notes.